Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week, I bring you stories that will inspire you, educate you, and give you hope. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Vine Group, based right here in downtown Chandler, your global creative agency. Today, my guest is Crystal King. This is gonna talk about identity. I think we all can get lost in identity in society and then things that happen to us. And that is gonna be one of the things we talk about. Crystal was the result of a white swapping swingers. She wasn't told until her biological father had passed away when she was 12. Crystal struggled most of her life with not knowing her identity and her mother not loving her the way a child should be because of her mother's own guilt. Now this is gonna be a definite different type of conversation and topic, so be prepared. It's, it's an all organic conversation. Please help me welcome my guest today, Crystal King. Hi there. Hi, Christine, thank you. Thank you, I've known you for quite some time in the community and the things that you do, and um, one of the things that we all do is, oh, what do you do for work, or what do you do for business? But then you're very personal, and we got to know each other on a different level. And this was one of those things that came up about society you know it's just a general conversation and today being valentine's day not that this is going to be aired on <laughs> valentine's day but it is valentine's day yes. you're like yeah it'd be the great best time to to do this story so this talks about identity we can easily get lost in the chitter chatter of what people think we should be doing mm -hmm. this goes deeper this goes into where you were the product of something that curiosity um, was a part of your parents' lifestyle. And I'm not really sure how to even begin that, so how would you like to say? Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea, um, other than it was the time. Okay. You know, I was born early 70s. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was, I think, still very much in vogue, in fashion. People, um, I would imagine, bored uh, in their relationship is the only thing I could think of. Okay. Um, would, would swipe swap wives with friends so it was my my father and his best friend and their wives okay well they were very close no nope. yes okay 12 years old so up till that point you thought you were a normal family normal life normal kid yes there were tiny clues into my life like i have very very dark hair darker skin and very dark eyes. Okay. And my sister is blonde and blue-eyed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like very blonde, <laughs> as blonde as you can be. And my mother would just tell me a lie that I 100% bought when I was a child because why would I not believe her? Well, as kids, we look to our parents and we trust them. They're gonna protect us, they're gonna tell us the truth. Yes. And do everything that we would think that would be comforting. Helpful, of course. Help you grow, promote you, tell you you can do whatever you put your heart to and your mind to, and, and that includes telling you that you are who you are, which they're not wrong, you are who you are. They just didn't say what other parts were made, making up who you are. Yes. She omitted a lot of information. And the worst part is most of my siblings knew. Oh. So my older siblings knew. The siblings, half-siblings that I had from the other family knew. I was the only one out. It's very courageous for you to want to share something like this that's very, um, for some people would be saying, shameful? Oh, it's not my shame. No, but I there's mean, some people. And I think my mother certainly felt shame. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I don't think my father or the biological father person felt shame. I think it was just my mother. So this is where we're actually going to go into the part. 12 years old, that's, that's preteen. Mm -hmm. You know, you had all of your life that you were told, all the things that you led to believe, and then one day it completely changed. Yes. So tell me more. Yeah, so just sitting on our front porch, tiny all cement porch with a wrought iron kind of railing, my mom and I think my actually my sister was making her do it, um, <laughs> to be honest, because my sister was there. Okay. And um, she called me out there. She wanted to talk to me. She told me uh, the person I had grown up with who had passed about six months before um, was not my biological father, that I did not have the same dad as all of my siblings, and that this man that I had known all my life but never liked. <laughs> um, oh. Um, was actually my biological father. Was he in the picture in the time that you were growing up? So, um, him and my father were best friends. So he was? He was in my life. I went and played at their house because his children were my friends. I never put two and two together that I was probably on some weird visitation, um, <laughs> <laughs> that I was the only one who ever went, okay. and then I went on a vacation with them once. It never dawned on me other than I was going on vacation with my friend. Oh. Wow. You know, it, I never, and they even, looking back, obviously, it's, it's very obvious, but they would even ask, do you know, do you know, do you know? And I'm going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. And so they would never say anything. Okay. So how'd you feel when you were told that the stuff that you thought was truth was all a lie? It was certainly a gut punch. There's no other way to describe it. Mm. You know, I mean, it's then immediately all of, what you, identity that you have is pretty much gone. And now this person that I knew and I knew I didn't like, mm. like I never got a warm fuzzy feeling from this person. I always got a be careful alert. That's scary. And so that was the, the, the hardest part I think for me to kind of accept and get over is that my beginnings don't necessarily control who I am, who I grow up to be, who my identity is. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it, at 12 though, I had no coping skills, no. no coping mechanisms. And my mom just landed this giant fish in my lap and said, okay, that, that was what I wanted to tell you. And that was it. We never talked about it again. No. No. We never spoke about it again. Oh. I really didn't get any answers or ha was even allowed to ask any questions. <laughs> Okay, I'm trying to process that one. Yeah, it's insane, right? I mean, I'm 12. Yeah, you're just a kid. I'm just a child. Just, uh, yeah, okay, so moving forward, knowing that you didn't have any answers, couldn't ask questions, and nothing was ever further said, um, where did that put you? It really, I was still reeling from my father's death. I was in deep, deep grief. The and man this, that you knew to be your father. Yes, okay. and then the fact that she decided to tell me all of this then, where I still hadn't had any kind of like grief counseling or anything like that to help with that. And now I had this other level of insane amount of stress and like trying to figure out everything alone. Mm. You, know, you couldn't talk to your siblings? Um, you know, I'm not really that close. Okay. And it kind of, How you know. So they always knew, so I don't know if that kind of stood in the way of us being super close. So now, as we go to school, we, you're preteens, you're already trying to figure out who you are as a kid. 
-hmm. Now you go to school and we all know that kids are mean or we think what the ideal family is or being in the ideal situations. Did that make any difference um, when you went back to school and did what you did thinking that these families that you saw and your families were not the same? Um, it made some difference, but it was living in a really diverse neighborhood okay. and area and most of the kids there actually looked more like me than my sister. <laughs> the, the blondes. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't as many blondes as there was dark hair, dark eyes, darker skin. Okay. So, like, I fit in more than the rest of my family did. Interesting. You know, but, I mean, I constantly, because I'm the third in line, mm -hmm. would come across teachers who had had both my older brother and my older sister in their class mm -hmm. and would immediately negate that I'm a part of that family. They're like, no, you can't possibly. And I'm going, oh no, that's, that's my brother and that's my sister. <laughs> you know, and so that was a very strange school thing that I came across all the time. So coming into young adulthood mm -hmm. and still having no answers to questions, was there any time where you were trying to figure this out on your own and still trying to figure out who you are? Because I know even at our age, we're still trying to figure out things as we go along. Yes, so I, for a while, kind of put it out of my mind and put it like on a shelf mm. and just existed to be honest. It wasn't until I was much, much older that I went kind of searching for my own identity of who I am and how I can define that. And how would you define that? So, you know, I don't feel like I'm a person who was created in a shameful event. I feel like I was a person who was created for a person, oh, okay, like for that. a reason. And I think that's to help other people. You know, I've always known I was supposed to help people. Sometimes I just help by listening. Sometimes I actually help by doing things. Sometimes I help with my personal business. But this story is, I'm sure I'm not alone. No, no, no. And I'm sure there are many, many children out there that have been born and then not necessarily loved like their siblings. Mm -hmm. Like I 100% knew I was not the favorite mm -hmm. and not even the like not favorite. I was the I wish you weren't here. <laughs> and it was not hidden. No. No, I mean, it was definitely not hidden to my sight, especially after she explained what happened. You know, it was so simple to see, but I never, I never wanted to believe it before that. And then just growing up, it just became evident that I had to be more self-sufficient mm -hmm. than all of my siblings. You know, and I had to, if I wanted something, I had to go after it and get it for myself. Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't count on her like the rest of my siblings could. So what kind of relationship did you have with your mom there forward? So, I mean, it was on, well, at first we did not have a relationship. She, soon after my father passed, became a drug addict and an alcoholic and um, left us for a few years. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> no, now no. you're totally abandoned. No, well, technically. <sighs> yeah. Yes, and so um, by the time I'm almost 16, I have to go back to live with her because um, my, well, essentially we got kicked out of the house that we grew up in because we were squatting. Squatting. Mm -hmm. mm. Not fun, by the way. Um, but I feel like even though my beginnings of life and kind of middle life were extremely crazy, traumatic, stressful, um, it gives you an opportunity 
to kind of really see what you're made of, first off, <laughs> and what you will put up with, secondly. Mm -hmm. And then it gives you your own guidelines. So I had to always figure out my own boundaries, my own limitations of what I will do, what I won't do, what I'm okay with in life, in relationships, you know, and that is an unfortunate situation. Most mm -hmm. people have a mom there. And then when I went and moved back in with her, I really only went for my little brother. <laughs> I would not have if there was nobody else behind me, but I didn't want him to experience any of the things that I experienced, you know, while she was there, while she wasn't there, you know, and so I, I, I just stepped back into that knowing it was not gonna be good and that um, I would get out as soon as I possibly could. And then the relationship was on my terms, not hers. Even though I lived in her house, you know, I had my own job, I bought my own car, I paid for my own insurance, you know. Um, so I did what I wanted mostly. And I was still respectful. I was never disrespectful to her. I was angry for a long time and resentful for the lack of love to be honest. You know, we talk about self-love, you know, today's Valentine's Day mm -hmm. and it's a whole different meaning to a lot of people. I'm not a Valentine's person <laughs> because of stuff that's happened in my past, but I make it that I, and it doesn't have to be that, but I find the opposite of it as well as like, you know, my first loves were my children mm -hmm. and I got to be um, the mother that my mother wasn't for me. So I'm hearing, you know, you say, oh, most homes have a mother. Well, it depends on what type of mother yes. you're talking about. If it's a loving mother, an understanding mother, a guiding and safe mother, but it didn't sound like that's what you had. No, that's not what I had. And no, so sure. with the self-love and identity, we're looking at a lot of confusion yeah. and to perhaps depression. Well, no, I don't think I was ever really depressed. No. Um, I really feel like I have a unique ability that's kind of been instilled with me to handle more stress than most people. Um, I'm extremely calm mm -hmm. in chaos, mm -hmm. where most people might lose it. I've been around you, so yeah, I'm like, yeah. so she's gonna snap, right? No, no. no. I don't normally snap <laughs> until it's all over, if I snap at all. Yeah. You know, and then normally, I'm because I've lived with such a high level of stress mm -hmm. and chaos and trauma mm -hmm. for a long time, mm -hmm. um, I've learned to Just kind of deal with it and have my own kind of coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. um, but later in life, and through a lot of therapy, um, I learned those don't necessarily work for me anymore. No. No. Now, you're a mom, are you not? I am a mom, so. and I became a mom way younger than I thought I would. So, when did you actually establish, you talked about the boundaries, we mm -hmm. talked about self-love, we talked about the lack of love and the support. Where did you find, and the therapy, um, where did you find you could identify yourself as Crystal. So I always, you know how sometimes in families people are like, oh, you're the black sheep. Oh yeah. I've always been the black sheep. I've always known I was meant for a better life than what I got. I was meant to do more than what I currently have done. Mm. And that there's a bigger life, a bigger situation waiting for me. And when I stepped into being a mom, I was a younger person and I knew exactly what not to do. Mm. I didn't necessarily know what to do, but I knew <laughs> I exactly what that. not to do. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, if I do the opposite of what I know, right. I'll be good. Yeah. You know, and that really worked for me for a very long time. 
And then when they, my children got to be the age that I basically stopped having a parent, I read books. <laughs> I talked to friends, mm -hmm. I read books, I taught myself because it was like, I have no idea how to teach you boundaries unless I teach myself boundaries. Absolutely, understand that one. Yeah. So being a parent, mm -hmm. um, we're gonna go back on the medical part of it. Did you oh. ever have anything that you had to be concerned with as far as medical? Because you go to the doctor's office and they say, oh, so do you have this, this, and this? And you knowing that you come from somewhere else with none of that, how did, how yeah, did that no, work I for lied you? for years on all the medical forms because I only knew the medical history of the person who had passed, my father who had passed. So years later, long, long time later, I was like 40 and I, and I went, I probably should know like my real medical history. <laughs> like you're getting to the age where stuff is starting to matter. Absolutely. So I reached out through social media to um, the half-sister I used to play with as a kid. And I said, okay, I actually need to know like your side of the family's medical history. Please. <laughs> you know, please, because <laughs> I only know the lies that I've been telling that mm. was my dad's medical history. Mm. You know, and so there was a lot of information there. Mm. You know, and some things I did need to address right away. <laughs> and the lies actually do hurt. They do really hurt. People will say, oh, what you don't know won't hurt you. Um, I disagree with that 100%. I definitely disagree with that because I could have lived forever without knowing this information. And not only would it have changed my identity, who I am, but it, it might have changed my outcome. You know, because because of the fact that I found that out and realized at a very young age that the person who was my mother was not really there and was really not going to be there. Right. You know, that changed my whole thinking, my whole outcome, and it really just made me way more determined to, to protect my younger brother mm -hmm. and to get out and get away, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. As an adult, I went back and I forgave her, of course, because I eventually realized she was just doing the best that she could with what she was equipped with. I think that's what we can mostly say about anybody. Yes, I feel like everybody's just trying to do the best they could, mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes it's not very good. <laughs> no. Sometimes it really sucks yeah. what they're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but with what she was equipped with, you know, four kids, super fast, back to back. And her own secret. And her own little secret, you Which know. She probably felt shame. But well, we won't know that. No. She's no longer here and it's not something that she would probably talk about. And nobody has to. No, and she would never talk about it again. So no. even if I had questions, no. it wouldn't. It's, I love the fact that you have said all the different things that you have decided what you were gonna take and own because you're Crystal. This, what they did was what they did. Exactly. You, what, you came out of it and this is, you're still an individual. You yes. Have, you have every part of you as anyone else to be a successful individual and live the life that you wanna live however you wanna live it. Yes. Yeah, I think biology and ideology are completely different things, okay? Just because my biology is different does not mean my ideology doesn't mean the person who passed away isn't my father. Of course he is. Even the person, yeah, the one that biologically gave you here yeah, and the one who raised you as Exactly, is. yes. They're completely different men, but at the same time, like, I don't have to, just because somebody is a donor, which is basically what I consider him, <laughs> um, doesn't make you a father. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't make you a part mm -hmm. of someone's life mm -hmm. just because I have some of your DNA. 
I understand that statement very yeah. well. And I'm sure a lot of other people understand that statement very well too. Well, yeah, because I mean, we're living in a world where you can have babies any kind of way. Yep. And I don't think people realize still the identity crisis that that can create if you're not mm -hmm. open and forthright with that mm -hmm. information early. And I had never heard of it. I mean, you hear of the activity. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Which I believe is very popular right now still. We're not going to have that conversation, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so, but I have heard it is extremely Probably. popular right now. And I, you know, we, we'll go, we could go back on you saying being bored, but we're not going to have that conversation. No. But it does, have, it does have a consequence. It does. And I think we, and we had talked just before we started re recording. Um, human nature, the things that we do, we don't realize that there can be consequences to something until the result is right there in your face and says, oh, that was probably not a good idea. Yeah. So you have a daughter. I do. Tell me about your daughter. So I have an adult autistic daughter um, who lives um, in a group home now in Gilbert. Mm -hmm. And then she has technically a stepbrother um, who lives in Oregon. Okay. Was not biologically mine, but mm -hmm. that was the first baby I said, yes, I'll be a mama too. Okay. So you won't have to have this conversation or worry about anything with your daughter? No, no. She's the sweetest. I always describe her as like the most happy-go-lucky person that you will want to walk and, and, and be a part of any kind of life with. And her autism and moving here has really complicated her life. And again, she's doing the best that she can with mm -hmm. what she's been equipped mm -hmm. with. And for me, I have a very clear understanding that people with special needs, most of the time, are just trying to control the situation. They're not trying to do anything else. They just want to own some of their own life. Mm -hmm. I was telling someone not too long ago that we inherit our parents' stuff. Then we have our own stuff. And then when we have children, then they have their stuff. And yes. it's like the baggage just keeps going. But if we can lessen the baggage by understanding where we've been and why we are who we are because of where we have been, I think those are the tools that we continue to pass along for the another generations. Oh, for sure. Versus holding on to it and carrying it and passing it along. Most definitely. And, you know, I was older when I started the therapy for my whole childhood and the, the many gaps of parental situations there. And as a mother, I was going, oh, how was I a mother mm -hmm. during these times, you know, when it was clear that I have PTSD and, you know, hopefully I was going, oh, well, I'm hoping I did not do any damage to my children. And I did go back and talk to them about that mm -hmm. because I felt that I was responsible and wanted to be clear. You made me feel totally normal now because I have a son who's 28 and I have asked him several times, so is there anything <laughs> that I could have done differently to get you to where you're at? He had one thing, but that was so minor compared sure. to what I thought it could have been. And so I was like, okay, I did pretty good for not knowing what I was doing and the stuff that I had inherited yes, along my way exactly. to, and my own stuff as well. So yeah, I think good. people inherit not only personality traits, but bad habits. Oh yeah. We pick up things from the people who are supposed to be guiding us and helping us grow and helping us become people, and they don't realize what they're also sharing with us. Right. You know, their, their anger, maybe right. their, you know, really short fuse, maybe, you know, like their yelling or whatever it is that they're mm -hmm. also sharing, that comes along with it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And my, my son, in particular, told me that he wished I was less of a perfectionist. Oh. <laughs> I know somebody else like that. I think and we I all do. And I said, I don't <laughs> think perfection is a thing that you know, is real. I said, I've always just wanted you to do the best that you could, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I wanted to see progress. Mm -hmm. That's a big difference. And ideally, or, uh, it, it is your thing. Yes. And so if someone sees it that way, that's fine. It's still yours. You deal with it and you work with it. And um, uh, the individual that I know that's that way, a few people, um, they had to realize that it was theirs instead of getting frustrated with someone else. And so I have to remind myself to go, you could be driving down the road and someone was, is not driving the way you want them to drive. And you're like, really? Because that's not what you do. You're like, no, no. No, <laughs> but that's, that's expectations. It's actually, oh. That's putting your expectations mm -hmm. on other people, True. which has been something that I have had to come to terms with many times. Mm -hmm. And actually have had to have conversations with business partners, with my husband and say, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I put my personal expectations, which are insanely high, on you. I'm sorry, I mm -hmm. did not mean to do that. Yeah. What I meant to do was have a clear conversation about right. boundaries and expectations. True. Because I did not learn boundaries, that is a conversation I have frequently. Understood. So I have a final question. Okay. It's not as difficult, I don't think. I think it actually could sum up everything. And I always love asking this question because I get a different answer, or if I get the same answer, then I, I get educated. Mm -hmm. And I learned something more about myself and how to, again, work in the world, deal with people, um, because I choose to be that person, always trying to better myself. And this question is the only question if I was able to ask to get an idea of who you are about and why. Ready? Yes. What message would you like to leave our listeners based on your journey of life? <laughs> okay, so I think that's pretty simple. Um, it is your life. You have to own it. You have to create boundaries and your own expectations. And hopefully you work to be a better person every day and guide your own self if there's no one else there to guide you. And learn and follow people that you would like to be and emulate. It's just knowing and creating your own person. Mm. Very powerful. Yeah. Being your own person. And I always say, you are your own person, but I don't think we identify and own what that yeah. really means, especially if you're in relationships with people or trying to yes. attract people. That's a good... That's owning your own happiness, too, happiness. because other people will not make you happy. No. You have to figure life out and who you are and then figure out who's gonna be in your life with you. Right, boundaries too. Mm -hmm. Thank you for answering that question and leaving it with um, a great identity of owning who you are, accepting who you are. Yeah, loving who you are, all of you. Some of us it's hard, some <laughs> of us it's not so hard, well, depends on our walk. I think it, it's hard for everybody mm -hmm. because everybody looks in a mirror, everybody looks at themselves and goes immediately to the spot that they don't like. Uh -huh. And you have to learn to love even the spots we don't like. Mm -hmm. You know, the spots that nobody else sees except you. Right. Or the things that have happened to you. You have to be able to accept them as part of who you are now mm -hmm. and move forward. Otherwise, you will be stuck in things like depression, mm -hmm. you know, because you're not focusing on the bettering of yourself mm -hmm. and creating health. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being my guest today. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes, yes. 
Oh, I always love having these 30 minutes. It goes so fast. <laughs> but I always learn something really fast in all my interviews. I want to thank my studio sponsor, the Motivated Mind Group, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. If you have a story that you want to give hope to someone based on your journey, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. And if you'd like to be a sponsor, also you can email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. And don't forget to follow, subscribe to catch more stories of hope. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care.